Welcome to the Landmark Podcast. I'm Jason Calhoun, pastor of Landmark Pentecostal Church in Texarkana, Texas. We encourage you to visit us on the web at landmarkupc.net for a schedule of services and upcoming events. We pray that you are blessed by the message today. Thank you again for listening. found in Deuteronomy chapter 25 and then going to the book of Proverbs, starting with uh, Deuteronomy chapter 25, and we'll just continue in this vein. (coughs) We know what we're really talking about is balance, balance, and equilibrium is really just equal balance between powers or influences. And so uh, we want to deal with that a little bit more in depth here tonight. Let's see what the word of the Lord has to say in Deuteronomy 25, verse 13. Thou shalt not have in thy bag diverse weights, a great and a small. Thou shalt not have in thine house diverse measurements, a great and a small. And what really the reason for this was is this is the days of trading and buying and selling according to the weight, perhaps um, the measurement of grain or whatever the case may be. And people would weigh it out on hand and uh, didn't have as many standardized measurements and weights as we do today. So uh, they must have carried these in a bag along with them and the Lord is admonishing them as he is giving them their laws and statutes as a nation that they are to have just weights. They shouldn't have a great and small to put the person that they're trading with at a disadvantage or to take advantage of them nor with their measurements. But thou shalt have a perfect and just weight, a perfect and just measurement shalt thou have that thy days may be lengthened in the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. And let's go to the book of Proverbs. Book of Proverbs chapter 11 and verse 1. A false balance is an abomination to the Lord but a just weight is his delight. A false balance is an abomination, but a just weight is his delight. So the Lord admonishes us to be balanced. And I think that's the principle here is that the Lord wants and desires for each of us to have balance in our relationship with God. And uh, I believe if you're going to walk with God, which that's what really is being talked about in the book of Deuteronomy, in longevity, prolonging your days is is mentioned here. If you're going to survive the long haul, you're going to have to do it through having balance, through having balance. And so we want to talk about spiritual equilibrium again here tonight, finish up with that. Why don't you lift up your voice with me and let's pray for the blessings of the Lord and the anointing of God upon this service. Jesus, we thank you so much for meeting with us already in our worship. I pray, God, that you would move through the minister of the Word of God, the teaching of your Word tonight. 
I pray, God, that you would have your way and help and minister to the needs of your people in this church. In Jesus' name, we thank you for it. One more time before you're seated, give praise to the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise God. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. Balance, as we grow in our natural lives, is a sign of maturity. I mean, that's just one of the things that we look for in a, in a baby is the signs that they are, are showing balance when they begin to walk. That's one of the things that is necessary is in learning to walk. They're finding out their balance and equilibrium and being able to work and navigate and progress along. And then as they get a little bit older than that, how many of you can remember the first time that someone, your parents, or maybe uh, you bought it yourself, but you got a bicycle? And uh, the first time that you learned how to ride, maybe you started out with training wheels on either side. And then I've seen where they would take one of the training wheels off and kind of rely on that other one over there in, in case they were in emergency and they couldn't balance and so they'd kind of rely upon the one to help them and steady them along. And uh, if you was like me, uh, I uh, got the bicycle when I really was not big enough to ride it. And uh, matter of fact, I seen a picture just the other day. My mother sent me of a Christmas when I received uh, my first big boy bicycle, if I could say it that way. And it was a huffy bicycle. Now, I understand, you know, that's probably dating me a little bit, but it was a, a huffy bicycle, and, man, it had the uh, spoke uh, wheels on it. It had uh, fenders. You know, I didn't understand that you, when you're cool, you had to take all that stuff off. It had all that stuff on it, and it had the training wheels. I did not understand that that was going to be a point of contention if I was going to ride with the boys in the neighborhood we couldn't have training wheels on it. And so I had to learn. And it got to the point I said to my dad, even though I wasn't even able to really touch the ground, my legs were too short at that time. As you can see, I've grown out of that. But um, legs were too short to reach down to the ground. But uh, I still wanted to learn. And I had other uh, children in our neighborhood that was around my age that were already uh, navigating their bicycles quite well. And so... We got out in the yard, out in the grass yard, just in case you fell off or fell down or wrecked, which was going to happen when you're learning to ride a bicycle, learning balance. There's going to be some incidents. There's going to be some scraped knees. There's going to be some scuffed up elbows. There's going to be some tears shed. Uh, but it wouldn't be as much if you fell in the lawn once you got out on the pavement. And then, you know, when your balance got a little bit better. I don't know what it is about boys. I'm sure it's not as bad with the girls, but the boys, we, I remember we had blocks, cinder blocks set up that high and had a ramp leading up on them. And then, you know, that wasn't enough. We had to get something to jump over. So we'd put somebody else's bicycle and uh, caught my boys one time, uh, one of them laying down on the ground and the other one jumping over them. Got to have a challenge, I guess. And trying to learn 
balance and uh, and the more balance you know and some people's not satisfied with a bicycle they got to get one of those uh, unicycles I mean that thing's just got a tire with a seat sitting on top of it and they can ride that thing around all kind of figure eights and switch directions ride it backwards and forwards and and uh, then you know people that even are better than that maybe you've seen folks that were able to sit on the back of that thing and juggle balls in their hand and uh, or bowling pins or whatever and juggle while sitting on that unicycle and riding it around in circles or whatever balance and and it's an amazing thing and it's necessary to have balance to uh, function really uh, and to get along in life and to progress in life and it's a mark of maturity if children uh, don't show balance at a certain point then we start to get concerned I remember in my uncle's church there was a, a baby that had been setting up been showing natural signs of progression and maturity and then one day it was not able to set up and it's look on its face was just uh, like it stepped back several months and the parents grew concerned and they took it in to the emergency room and there was some concerns that maybe it was spinal meningitis or something of this nature that was causing uh, this baby to react this way and it was affecting its balance so there's a reasons sometimes why there isn't balance. Balance is important to God, as I stated last week, on the top of the Ark of the Covenant over the mercy seat was the cherubs that were symmetrically alike, but they were facing one another, facing inward, looking down upon the mercy seat, but they were symmetrically uh, touching one another's uh, wings and in between that perfect harmony and that perfect balance was the presence of the Lord. The Shekinah glory of God dwelt there. And that ought to be a lesson to us when there's the proper balance in our life. The blessing and the presence of God and the anointing of the Lord and the goodness of God and the favor of God will be there. Also understand that the, the priest... Uh, was anointed in three different locations. He was anointed on the thumb of his right hand. He was anointed on the lobe of his right ear and anointed on his great toe of his right foot. And there was a reason for that. Somebody said, why would they take the time uh, to do that? Well, that represented balance. And uh, it is said by those that know, podiatrists and different ones, that the great toe, uh, sometimes when, when you smash it or drop something on it, you may feel like that you don't need it or wish that it wasn't there, but you will have trouble with balance if you don't have the great toe. And so that was anointed for balance in a person's life. We, we, we need the help of the Lord in that area. So... Uh, things, I got to studying a little bit further on this, things that can negatively affect balance. Uh, of course, we know, and any of you that have ever suffered with it, know the problems with the inner ear or maybe uh, an inner ear infection. 
and how that that can affect, they call it vertigo, how that can affect a person's balance uh, and how the, I've heard people saying they were so dizzy, they were nauseated and uh, they just had to lie down, close their eyes because when they opened their eyes, the room was spinning. They couldn't walk straight. They didn't have balance. So the inner ear or the hearing can affect balance. Can I apply that spiritually here tonight and tell you that in order for us to have proper balance in our life, we've got to have hearing, we've got to receive, we've got to be able to ingest, intake the Word of God. The Bible said that faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the Word of the Lord. Amen. And also admonishes us several times in the Scripture, he that hath an ear... Let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. Amen. That is not saying that person that just has a physical ear. It's saying that person that has sensitive spiritual ears. Let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. And how many knows that the Spirit is speaking, but it takes someone that is able to hear it, able to, to tune in to it. It's a frequency that you cannot hear just with the natural ear, but you've got to hear it. You know, they have these little uh, things that they use, they're devices that they use to keep you from getting attacked by a dog, for instance. They say that a dog's frequency of hearing is different than a human being's, and you this high-pitched noise irritates the dog, and it'll stay away, and there's a little device that you can push a button, and it causes that dog to be repelled and it's a frequency that we humans cannot even hear because it's at a pitch that we can't hear it at but the dog can hear it well can I tell you that in a spiritual sense there's a frequency that the natural ear is not attuned to but it comes through us being sensitive and full of the Holy Ghost and staying renewed in the Holy Ghost and a prayer life and fasting does this and relationship with the word of God. And the more that God speaks to you, the more that you'll desire him to speak to you. The more that you'll need him and, and want him to, and more accustomed you'll be to him speaking to you. And the more uh, tuned in to that frequency, if I could say it that way, that you will be. So uh, one of the things that affects balance is hearing problems. And so we, we, we want to make sure in a spiritual way that we're not having hearing problems to what the Spirit is saying or what the Word of God is trying to tell us. And then there is uh, this condition, the lack of feeling or numbness. Sometimes we, we call it neuropathy or whatever, and there's other names for it. But uh, what it simply is is the lack of feeling. And when you, you know if your feet has ever been asleep, that it's hard to walk. If there's ever numbness or if you've ever um, maybe been under some type of anesthesia and then uh, wakened from it and then tried to get you up, maybe as a day surgery, tried to get you up and walk you a little bit and you kind of loop-legged and didn't have balance and had to study you alone, that's, that's the way it is. And so we, we understand that we've got in a spiritual sense, to keep ourselves feeling after God. 
We cannot be numb to the presence of the Lord. And this is something, if I could just stop right here and say that very much concerns me in this hour that we're living in because I see it happening. I see it happening to good people, becoming numb, becoming, uh, have lack of feeling. I mean, have lack of respect, have lack of, of, of awe and sacredness towards the things of God. It, ama- it amazes me how quickly people can shift gears from being in the presence of the Lord to just being totally carnal. I, I, don't, I believe there's something wrong with that. It, it, it amazes me how little feeling people have for uh, the presence of God and sensitivity to the things of God. And, and if that is pervasive in a church, it's going to affect God's ability to move and work and help that body of people. There's got to be some sensitive folks there. I'm not saying that everybody has to be up here in their spiritual experience. We're all developing. We got new people and not people that's not, that's not who I'm talking about. I'm not talking about people that's coming along in their relationship with God. I'm talking about people that has grown numb over the years and insensitive to the things of God. And if I could say it and describe it like this, desensitized. Amen. And one of the ways that we become desensitized to something is overexposure to something. We, we get overexposed to something. We become, you know, uh, we've got to keep the wonder and the awe in the things of God. And that's our responsibility. We're around the presence of the Lord often. We're here three times a week. We get to feel the anointing and the touch of God. And sometimes because it is so available and we experience it so much, if we're not extremely careful, we can take it for granted. Or we can get to feeling like that it will always be there whenever I need it. I can always access it. And that's simply not the case, folks. We've got to be careful. We've got to keep ourselves aware. We cannot become numb to the presence of the Lord. When God's moving in a convicting way, we need to apply it and, and allow God to deal with us. When God's moving in, a, in an element of faith and it's high church, we need to be able to flow with that. Some people can only flow with one or the other. Some people, well, I, I you know, I gotta have I gotta have it full bore all the time, Brother Calhoun. I mean, if we ain't walking on the ceiling tiles, we're not having church. Well, that's not biblical. We need teaching just like tonight. Amen. I said we need teaching just like tonight. That'll make a sensational type saint out of you instead of a steady, balanced saint out of you. And you you've got to plug in. You've got to, it's up to you to be able to receive. Amen. And the only way you can do that is to be spiritual and to be prayerful and to be in tune with God. And it's so very important that we not allow ourselves to become numb. And sometimes we become numb because we've gotten by with it. We become passive towards something because we didn't suffer any repercussions from it. Amen? And it's just like a child to get away with something, then they they continue that behavior. They continue doing that. And, uh, you know, they can think, well, it's never going to, I know I've been told against it, but it doesn't seem to hurt me. And they don't see, they don't see the uh, detriment or the danger of doing certain things. Well, I'm going to tell you, it's dangerous to become aloof towards church or the things of God or the spirit of It's dangerous for us to be passive about that. 
it's dangerous for us to have a casual attitude about the presence of the Lord. It's dangerous for you to become judgmental. It's dangerous for you to, to become, uh, set yourself up as a person that can judge somebody else in the church. And especially for you to feel like that you can judge leadership, spiritual leadership that God has placed in the church. That's a particularly dangerous place. And I think that, that folks sometimes think because their time and their tenure that they can some way graduate to that place, that they can judge preachers. That's a dangerous place to put yourself in. I'm a preacher, and I'm not in a position to judge preachers. That's God's business. God takes care of his priest. God will correct his priest. And they have people that are over them, pastors and so on, that are over them. If they're truly men of God, they have somebody that they're submitted to. And so submission is a very important subject that we don't talk enough about because in the 21st century, people don't want to hear about, they don't want to hear about that. They want to hear about blessings, and they want to hear about miracles, and they want to hear about all these things. They want somebody to, to give them their birth date and social security number and call their name out, but they don't want anybody talking to them about these things that I'm talking about tonight. But if you're going to be a balanced saint of God, you're going to have to be talked to about that. Can you say praise the Lord? And we're interested in, in being balanced and uh, it's, it's very important that we understand balance, not becoming numb. And then the fear of falling can affect balance. The fear of falling. Um, how many has ever had occasion where you got up on a ladder and you felt pretty good the first four or five steps up the ladder, but when you got up a certain height, you, your balance, you didn't feel like you had the same balance as you did when you was, of course, on the floor or when you was at lower levels because there was a fear of falling and it, affect, it affected your balance. You become more self-conscious about it. And uh, I remember when one time they were coming out here to inspect the roof and I said, well, I'd like to go up there with you all. And they leaned a big old ladder out here, about a 30-foot ladder off the side of this building. And, and uh, you know, it's building on this side. It kind of seems like it's built up anyway. And so here we go. I, I started up, got about halfway up, got on up there. Man, I, the wind seemed like it was blowing a little, a little more up there. And uh, things, you know, I, I felt like an eagle flew by and, and uh, brushed, brushed my side of my head. No. And uh, got up there, and, and I couldn't make myself step out on that roof. And I said, you know what, I'm going to take y'all's word for it. And I'll just get back down. And so I did. And, uh, but balance is affected by the fear of falling. And uh, you know what? Fear is the opposite of faith. And if we've got a fear that the devil has put upon us, that we can't make it and that we cannot succeed, and we cannot go higher in God, and we cannot be what we need to be in the Lord. If we're always fearful of that, and there's always a worry of that, and we have no confidence towards the things of God, then that's going to affect our balance. It's going to affect us in our progression and maturity and in in our relationship with the Lord. And then uh, we know that the loss of strength the loss of strength affects one's balance. 
And when a person's had been convalescing over a surgery or been down and there's atrophy that is set in and deterioration of the muscles, whatever, and, and they try to get up and walk like they used to walk, they don't have the same ability and balance because their strength has diminished. I'm going to tell you, we, we've got to continue. If we're going to keep balance, we've got to continue to use our faith and use our, uh, our worship and our prayer and our time in the Word of God. If we're going to be effective and have balance in our life, we cannot diminish in our spiritual strength or we'll lose it. Amen. And any of these things can cause a person to fall when they lose balance. There's injuries that can happen and there's things that can take place that are hurtful. And so we, we understand that, the importance of that. Vision, the lack of vision, improper vision, looking at the wrong things can affect your balance. You know, if you're walking a tightrope, brother, you're not looking off over there. You're not looking off. If you're walking like that fellow I talked about last week across that Grand Canyon on a tightrope with no net and no pole to balance you, no harness to catch you, and you're walking like that, I think his name was Mr. Walinda, and if you're walking across that tightrope a fourth of a mile across the Grand Canyon, I promise you, you're not looking off at the scenery of the Grand Canyon. You're not looking at the people that's back on the other side, on the edge, watching you. You're not concerned about all of that. You're concerned about where you're going to put your next foot. You're concerned about paying attention to what's going on, having your focus. So focus is so important to our ability to balance ourselves spiritually. What are we focused on? If we're over-focused in a certain area, some people get over-focused in certain areas and, and it messes their balance up. They get over-focused in, in career and making money and it blows up their spiritual walk with God. That's right. And they get over-focused on a, young people get over, overly focused on the need of, of a relationship and it blows up their relationship with God. Uh, some people, some people get overly focused on, on certain goals and aspirations of life, and it messes up their spiritual equilibrium. It's so very important that we stay balanced in our relationship with God. Can you say praise the Lord? And so let's let's delve into a few things we talked about uh, last week. We talked about. Uh, spirit and truth. We talked about the spirit and the bride or the spirit and the church working together, the Holy Ghost and the church working together. And tonight I want to talk from, from Psalms 85 and 10. It said, Mercy and truth are met together. Righteousness and peace hath kissed each other. Without a doubt, we know that there's a dire need for the church today and people that are in the church to not only believe the truth but to stand for the truth. According to the word of God, it's only the truth that will make you free. If there ever was a time for us to be settled on the doctrine, it's now. Don't be questioning those things. If there ever was a time for us to be settled and founded and secure when it comes to our beliefs, as far as separation from the world, that is now. Amen. Never has the lines been more 
or should they be more distinct than they are now as this world, as the Scripture already tells us that it would, grows worse and worse or waxes worse and worse. We should be drawing close to the Lord and we should live a godly and holy and dedicated life unto God. But truth without the balance of mercy is of no value. We have to be careful in our defense of the truth that we don't develop a scornful spirit. we got to be careful uh, in our defense of the truth that we don't become bitter or judgmental in our hearts. Ephesians 4, 14 through 15 says, But speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. And so we're again talking about maturity or growing up in the things of God and becoming the full stature and measure that God wants us to be. And in order to do that, we've got to have this proper balance, according to this, of, of truth and mercy working in our lives. I'm thankful for the truth because it's the truth and being obedient to it that made me free. But I'm also very thankful for mercy and that God is a merciful God and that his mercies are new every morning because if it wasn't for his mercy and the grace of God, uh, I would have already struck out and so would you. I would have already run out of chances and so would have you. But I'm thankful that God is merciful to us. Amen. I'm thankful for the tender mercies of the Lord and his goodness and his grace that he gives toward us. Praise God. And then, not only mercy and truth, but we also need to be aware of what 2 Timothy talks about in the fourth chapter in the second verse. He talks about preaching the word to Timothy. He's talking to this young man in the gospel, this young preacher, and he says, Preach the word, be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, and exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. Now, there's a lot of terms that are given there, some we like, some we don't like. He said reprove, rebuke, and then he turns right around and almost gives the counterbalance. He talks about exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. In the same verse that the terms rebuke and exhort are there together almost like counterbalances to one another. Now, we understand that the need of reproof and rebuke is necessary. We don't like it, but it's a part of our relationship with God and living for God. We're reproved many times even by the Lord. When we get off track, when we don't desire and we don't uh, continue to focus on right things and we get off balance, the Lord, the Bible said, he chastens them that he loves. Amen. A father or mother that does not correct their children does not love their children enough to correct them. Amen? I know we kind of chafe under it. We don't like it necessarily. But for us to be mature, functioning adults, we had to have some correction as children. And for us to grow in maturity in God and to become uh, saved in the end, We've got to endure sometimes some reproof and correction. And I'm thankful that the Word of God can do that. God uses the preaching of the Word many times to do that. And a church that does not have any, any 
reproof at times or even at, at times sin is never rebuked. That's an imbalanced situation. It's, it's not a situation that is according to the Word of God. It doesn't have what it needs as far as spiritual maturity is concerned. But without rebuke, we're going to, we're going to grow up and, and be basically uh, spiritual brats, not, not really being the mature spiritual people that we need to be. So I want to be able to receive that when it comes. And uh, as a pastor, sometimes that's, that's needful, and it's my least favorite thing to do. Uh, any of you think that a pastor gets a kick out of, he's not a, he's not a real pastor if, if he gets a kick out of rebuking people, because I never have. I, I dread it, and usually I give people enough rope and enough rope and enough rope and try to get them to correct that themselves, but you know there comes a point when you got to step up and you got to deal with certain situations. And you know, mature saints of God understand that; they don't question that; they see the need for that, and they support that. Praise the Lord! I was told that uh, I made a remark Sunday morning about church attendance. I mean, that's pretty general stuff, folks. The day you can't do that, we're in trouble. I said the day you can't do that, and I heard there was some little meandering murmuring that was going on. Uh, somebody told me there was somebody said, oh, no, here we go. Well, <laughs> let me just tell you something. Uh, that's not maturity. That's not, that's not maturity. That's not a right spirit. That's not a right attitude. pastor ought to be able to get up and talk about being faithful to the house of God, and nobody take offense to that. Oh, come on. Hallelujah. Praise God. If you get offended over little things like that, it's not the pastor that has a problem. It's you that's got a problem, really. Praise the Lord. And uh, we need to get in the altar and get that figured out because you're too easily offended. Praise the Lord. You're not going to make it living for God if, if you've got a feather on your shoulder waiting for somebody to knock it off all the time. I mean, every time you come to the house, God, preacher, I've seen people like that. Come on now. Knock it off. Looking for something. You know, that's part of the problem. You're picking. You're looking for something to excuse your own carnality and behavior. No, 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 no. Let's, let's understand that's not the will of the Lord. It takes, it takes uh, reproof. It takes rebuke. But thank God that there's that counterbalance of exhortation. And without it, it would be unbearable. It wouldn't be right. That wouldn't, you know, I, I've seen churches, and some of you have been a part of churches where it was rebuke every night. Amen? And that's certainly not the will of God. That's certainly not right. That's not what God wants. He wants there to be exhortation from His Word. So uh, we can't be too intoxicated on exhortation where we just got to be cheer led every service, and we can't stand or bear. Uh, being beat over the head every service either. So we rebuke sin and correct wrongs and we encourage people that are struggling to get up again and try to do right through the help and the grace of God. And that's what being a real apostolic is all about. Praise the Lord. And so uh, if we've got to have a constant pat on the back in order just to live for God, there's something wrong with that. 
Amen. That's not maturity. You know, you use every method you can sometimes with your, with your, uh, with your children or your grandkids or whatever the case may be. You know, if you'll do this, I, there's a reward system here. Maybe uh, same is true with, uh, you know, horse trainers or pets or whatever. They use a reward system. You do this, you get that. And uh, they decide, you know, I want the reward. I was noticing we went to SeaWorld or whatever that is, Marine World, SeaWorld, something like that. And, uh, you know, they got these whales, killer whales, they call them, that weigh, I mean, they're tons. And they had these little placards on the seats, said this is the splash zone. You will get wet. And uh, I watched people, they didn't think that was going to happen because they're, they're thinking, man, the water's way down there. I'm way up here. There's no problem. And, and they sat down, and sure enough, when that first tidal wave of water came over there and hit that hairspray that was way up here and melted it. Boy, it was, that was worth the whole show. And uh, so anyhow, uh, this thing that weighs tons because they got a little fish or some type of thing that it eats they're able to get it to jump up out of the water and do flips and all kinds of different things and it was a fascinating deal but that was all built on a reward system well there's rewards living for God I said there's rewards living for God praise the Lord there's blessings living for God right and then uh, in Matthew chapter number 10 and verse 8 Jesus said Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out devils. Freely ye have received, notice this, freely give. Freely you've received, that's one thing, freely give. And that's what the kingdom of God is really built upon. God blesses so that we can be a blessing. And when we start holding it in, we start damming up, the flow of blessings and taking it in selfishly for ourselves, we got a problem. And that will hinder the blessings of God from continuing to come into our lives. We uh, was there in the Holy Land in, in the Dead Sea, and then we went to Sea of Galilee. Sea of Galilee is still just teeming with fish, and I mean, it's all kinds of life, and you can just tell the difference. You go down to the Dead Sea, I mean, there's nothing alive around it. I mean, besides the people that are acting crazy that are going down in there and taking that salt and scrubbing it on themselves and all that stuff. And then they sell some of the uh, things from the Dead Sea uh, uh, for people's health and that kind of thing. But there's no life in it. There's, there's no fish that are in the Dead Sea, of course. And, and it's just desolate all around. There's nothing, nothing that is there. Why is that? Same river that feeds the... Uh, Sea of Galilee feeds the Dead Sea. The only difference is the Sea of Gal Galilee has an outlet, and the Dead Sea doesn't have an outlet. Everything that flows into it, it retains. And the only way for you to stay fresh and alive and the blessings to continue to flow and God to continue to work in your life is to have an outlet, a place where you're involved in the work of God, a place where you're involved 
in the worship of God, a place where you come and you give of yourself to the things of God and the kingdom of God. I don't want to just be a sponge that absorbs. I want to be someone that can be a blessing. He told Abraham, he said, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to give you things. I'm going to make you a wealthy man so that you can be a blessing to others. What a deal. I mean, he gets to enjoy the blessings of God as long as he continues to give and continues to be a blessing, he's going to continue to get blessed. You can't beat a plan like that. And that's the way it is in living for God. When we give, uh, we keep receiving. And the Bible says, shaken down, pressed together, and running over. You know what that means? You could take this cup right here, and you could stuff it full of anything. And it's going to have a limitation. It could hold a certain amount of kernels of corn. It can hold a certain amount of brown beans. It can hold a certain amount of whatever you want to put in. If I took those Kleenexes right there, I could stuff them in there and stuff them in there, but pretty soon it's going to start running over. It's going to get to the capacity that it can hold no more. You could shake it. You could stuff it down in there. You can stomp on it. You can do whatever, but you can't get any more because that's all that it can take. Can I tell you that's the way it is. When God gives back to you, he gives you more than you can handle. Amen. So you might as well just keep on letting it flow keep on letting it flow. I'm going to keep on worshiping. I'm going to keep on being faithful. I'm going to keep on giving to God. I'm going to keep on doing the work of the Lord. I'm going to keep involved in the things of God. Can you say praise the Lord? And there's that necessary balance. I don't want to just be a taker. I want to be a giver. I want to be a giver. I've freely received. How many knows that you freely have received? How many has freely received the grace of God? How many could Wave your hand tonight and say, I freely receive the mercies of the Lord in my life. I freely have experienced the presence of God in my life. Amen. It wouldn't hurt me a bit to give him worship. It wouldn't hurt me a bit. Matter of fact, it would be the right thing to do for me to be engaged when I come to the house of God in giving praise and giving worship and praying and seeking the face of the Lord because freely I have received and so therefore I'm freely going to give to the Lord. Oh, yeah. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Why don't we stand to our feet and do that right now? Give praise to the Lord with all that's in our heart. Come on, let's give praise to the Lord with all.